Hello and a massive welcome to the 123rd episode of the Holtcast. As usual, I'm James Rushton and once again, joined in by a snowed-in Danny Raza. How are you getting on? Hello, mate. Not been out of the house for a few hours. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's certainly a bit a bit icy out there, isn't it? <laughs> you can tell me about that, man. It's been snowing non-stop and uh, the country has come to a standstill over a few inches of snow. It's bad in places, but... Uh, it's slippy out there, so be careful. But yeah, we're both snowed in. And nothing's happening. No flights are going off. There's no buses. There's no nothing. So what better than uh, recording the whole cast, mate? Definitely, mate. Just be just be happy you're not a fan of a team in League One or League Two because uh, I'm sure there's been game cancellations everywhere. Um, but uh, as it happens, our game against Millwall, uh, I suppose bad weather conditions are, are something that, uh, that come part and parcel of the game. And Villa Park is one of the best stadiums in the world. So... Uh, yeah, uh, crystal clear today, uh, well, yesterday. Uh, crystal clear pitch, nothing nothing wrong. But uh, as soon as today come around, game cancellations left, right and centre. Uh, Villa ladies, uh, their trip to Durham was cancelled today. So, yeah, shame for that because it happens. It's part and parcel of uh, playing football. And I'm sure if the conditions were this bad yesterday, they might have thought maybe once or twice about calling off the uh, Millwall game. And uh, I wouldn't have missed it, mate. I have to say that. We'll go straight into it. I would not have missed that Millwall game. It was... Uh, it was pretty pretty dire performance. I don't know how much you've seen of it, but it wasn't good. Yeah, more like thrill war, mate. What an exciting thriller. I'm joking. Uh, it's yeah, it was it was absolutely dire, mate. I think it was one shot on target all game. If you look at the official statistics, uh, I might be wrong, um, but it, it was just uh, another one of those games which there wasn't any real creativity. It seemed like we had the hangover of the game before, where we were kind of talking about the same thing where we couldn't break down uh i forget who it was that we did play um who, who was it before we had before millwall uh leads on the friday oh, mate. Leads on the friday we we're talking about how like you know there was there was a sort of there's a lack of creativity in the end and it just seems like it's dying out uh onomar and davis once again up top just could not hold it up could they just couldn't couldn't get us going really and uh yeah it was dire really and if anything millwall were the were the better side yeah, uh, very loud fans. You know, Millwall fans have a, a certain reputation, I guess, uh, from, you know, cultural properties that involve them and stuff that I spin. I don't know what you're talking about, James. <laughs> Not at all, no. no. There's, there's no reputation at all, is there? I don't know what I'm... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they apparently took the whole end yesterday. I don't know how, you know, a bunch of dads walking up the whole end when no one was there is taking it. Um <laughs> I'm not too clued up on that because that's not really, that's something I can do in my spare time, but there we go, alas. But yeah, uh, Millwall, very, very loud support, but the action on the pitch wasn't up to anyone's standards. Uh, Millwall were happy to beat um, Villa on the offside, happy to sit back, happy to control it, happy to just sit there really and uh, kind of mould the match to their liking. Villa looked very uncomfortable in their home stadium and that's a kind of a running theme this year, I feel. Villa have looked better. They've improved their performances away, but they can't get the job done at home. And that's a big worry because uh, the booze came out again. Uh, as soon as it hit half time, mate, the booze come out. What do you think? It, was, it, was it a boo-worthy performance going into the first, uh, the, the last 45, sorry? No, I mean, put it into context. Wolverhampton Wanderers drew 0-0 with, with Sunderland as well, didn't they? You know, that, so that, that happened elsewhere. Um, I can see why people were unhappy because at home you expect to control the game. You expect to be able to put something on the opponents to say, look, this is how we're going to play and this you're going to have to match up with us. But as so happens, it looked like we were chasing Millwall game. Millwall came in. They decided they were going to shut themselves off. They they knew that they that they weren't going to beat us comfortably whatsoever. 
You know, they, they, they were happy to come in and get the draw. And unfortunately, we just let them. And I think part of that was the fact that once again, going forward, uh, we, we just didn't have much creativity. Uh, and, we, and to be honest, Davis was just totally shut off by, by the two middle wall defenders as well. Hutchinson and Cooper were unplayable, but we really should have a plan B by now. And it's looking like Steve Bruce kind of knows the way he wants to play and won't play any other way. Uh, and in fact, if you look at the aftermatch comments as well, he acknowledged that. He acknowledged that he couldn't play any other way when he started saying, or in fact, when he started putting the whole blame on the nil-nil result on the fact that he didn't pick Hurahan over Lansbury. And in reality, it was more the case of our attack just not being good enough. There was a lot of areas across the pitch that we weren't good enough, unfortunately, mate. I felt... The long balls to Davis are getting old, and I think they're getting old for him. I think they're getting old for the team. We can't do much except lump it forward at this point. And after I've watched one of the first big games of today, you know, the Merseyside derby, Liverpool versus Everton, you saw style in that match, and I appreciate that Villa can't attract or afford players like Mo Salah or Sadio Mane, but you just see so much quality in that match, and it just makes you feel so very lost with football. Because, you know, you go to Villa and you haven't watched any football because it's a Saturday 3pm kickoff. You get there, you appreciate the match if they win. You you know, you're in the same state as we are now if we lose or draw. But And then you go home, you watch uh, Super Sunday or whatever Sky have got on. And you just see just a different class of football, mate, even if it's Swansea Stoke. It's just, we're so far behind in, in, in that right now. And I appreciate if we go up that we'll buy new players and we all have a better approach to the game. This is this could be a really formative time for Villa. And I'm just starting to get a bit worried now about certain things. I mean, I'm positive, but are those worries creeping in for you, Dan? Well, I think for me, I'm I'm looking at it and I'm just thinking we, we need to we need to start playing in a different way because it doesn't matter who you are, teams are gonna start figuring you out. It's gonna happen to Wolves as well. I, I I know I'm going back to them again, but that's what happened to them against Sunderland as well. And the, you know, the, when I was talking a few weeks ago on this same podcast, we were talking about the fact that uh, Adoma and Snodgrass look like they've been pushed forward a little bit. Like we started bringing ourselves into a four-two-three-one, putting a little bit more pressure on the opponents, getting a little bit of a stranglehold in their half. That just totally was off in, in the game against Millwall. Snodgrass and Adoma were were were, were far back, and once again, Adoma. Uh, not Adoma, sorry, Onoma and Davis were just isolated. Davis played well, don't get me wrong. He he was good at holding up the ball, but if you're going to do that, you need another type of player behind you. And I'm, so, I'm, I'm and unfortunately, I don't think Onoma is the kind of guy that's going to be able to make use of Davis holding up the ball. If you've got a de- if you've got a striker holding up the ball, then you need your wingers or your attacking midfielder to be a little bit closer because there's no point if there's nobody around him, and it's just uncreative. And it just almost seems like there's no real point to it. There's no real urgency. And uh, I'm not quite sure where Bruce thinks the goals are going to come from. It it seems like we are stretched across. The, we, we're spread thin sometimes. And we're a team that has... We, this has been a theme on the podcast. You know, we have come to rely almost on individual brilliance, whether it's Henry Lansbury, Jack Grealish, Josh Onomar, Keenan Davies, whoever it is providing the style. But as I go on... Once that style runs out, once that form runs out, we have problems because we do have to resort to winning games through planning, through tactics, through a general game plan. 
And one, as we see with Millwall, it went out the window. Millwall played their game to, you know, absolute perfection. And they should have won the match, right, if it weren't for Sam Johnston. We'll get onto his performance a bit later. But they could have they could have very well have won that match. That's not good enough at home, is it? Uh, no, and I'll, I, I want to know why we lost the ball 23 times. Oh, sorry, got tackled 23 times throughout that whole game. Well, yeah, every single like duel every time there was a confrontation between um a villa player and a millwall player millwall came out the better the better team with it right so okay if you 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 can play the whole card of saying millwall are the other other what's the side okay what's the word stodgier side i guess they're the side that are good at playing like that they can they can win the ball off the opponent okay all well and good but then on top of that i'd like to question why uh why o'brien and and savile were allowed to run the game that uh, like like they were was was Glenn Whedon sort of off his game a little bit? Were our midfield just not good enough? Uh, I'm not I'm not quite sure why why it was allowed to happen. Unfortunately, I think Hutton had a poor game as well. Personally, I think he got absolutely skinned by O'Brien. I mean, as much as I like to praise Alan Hutton, um, we said that his one weakness was his positioning, and he just came undone with it um, all throughout it. And unfortunately, I just think that Millwall's creative players turned up. Uh, turned up and, and ours didn't and uh, it's a shame really because at home you need to be dominating and you need to be able to to uh, outdo the opposition on that uh, respect yeah I think it'll be very unfair if we acted like Millwall sat back for 90 minutes they did play at times with you know two banks of four but let's not take it away from them they attacked with style and aggression they attacked with flair as well and they, they were very direct but it's not like they just kicked and run they played the ball over the top we fell into their trap so many times we tried to stand off and bring them back and it didn't work they weren't falling for anything a very intelligent and clinical football team is what i see in Millwall, and someone who could be a real danger if they get some serious investment and they can invest in their team a bit more because it looks like they've got the right manager it looks like they've got the right style as well it's something that suits them to a t whereas villa look very uncomfortable in times, it looks like our players don't seem to know what their role is in the team, especially Glenn Whelan, who is an out-and-out defensive midfielder. He's almost asked to be play like a regista in Italian style, where he would create from deep. But he's not that person. And I think we're asking too much of players like Henry Lansbury, like Albert Adoma, especially Robert Snodgrass, everyone through the middle. Keenan Davis is the only person who seems to kind of know his role and excel at it. Whereas I think there might be a lot of confusion within the middle of the park. But is that resonating with you at all, Daniel? No, they, I mean there shouldn't be, should there? I mean, there, there shouldn't be any confusion. I mean, look, look at Millwall's Millwall's midfield is is a simple, um, is a simple comparison to Villa's, right? They'll go Wallace, you know, obviously creative Scott. I think he's Scottish anyway. Uh, <laughs> right, right sided midfielder. Um, it's it basically what we've got in Robert Snodgrass, who's supposed to be the upgrade on him. Uh, you've got Tunnicliffe, uh, who's you know, going to be the little, the, going to be the harder midfielder in their side, and Savile right next to him, who's the creative player, and you've got O'Brien out wide, who's who's going to uh, obviously create for him. Well, for us, we've got Adoma, Lansbury, Whelan, and Snodgrass, right? Just because Hurahan's out that side doesn't mean that it's confusing. Lansbury is the is the playmaker over there. Whelan's the guy who's supposed to be winning the ball back. Snodgrass and Adoma, obviously, the creative players out wide, and also, um, you know, as as I mentioned. Bruce did bring them a little bit further back. So there's no reason why we should have been outdone in midfield. And then on top of that, Onoma, and I'm, I know I'm getting into a little bit of a rant mode over here, right? But Onoma, if we're, if we're saying that Onoma is supposed to be our attacking midfielder, creating uh, opportunities for Davis, uh, that's fair enough. But if he's not doing that and he's not getting close enough to Davis, not, not you know, 
um, not creating the chances that he's supposed to be, then what? Then then why is he not helping the midfield out? Because I don't see him doing either, and that's why <laughs> that's why I'm I'm berating him pretty much every other week. So essentially, we had an extra midfielder there. He can drop back and help out the midfield when when Millwall are out playing us, but uh, it just shouldn't have happened really. And it just goes back to the thing that a lot of Villa fans are concerned about right now, and that is why we're not resting players, why we're bringing out the same four players every single week uh, to to run out and, and do the job. Um, obviously, Lansbury came out and, and, and played instead of Hurahan. And as much as Bruce wants to sit there and and, and play this blame game of, of putting everything on the fact that he didn't play Hurahan, Lansbury was still our best midfielder. Um, and, and that's honestly how I feel about um, the way we played. Uh, yesterday we do have some injury news Chris Samba and Henry Lansbury are injured Henry Lansbury picking up a muscle injury and Chris Samba obviously going down uh, towards the end of the game and being replaced by Tommy Alphick so there will be rotation will be enforced but maybe not the rotation that you want to see personally not what I want to see either to put it straight but we will have to change the team now because the person we brought in to rotate has you know he's gone fantastic so we can look forward to Mate Vidra and Andy Wyman um, keeping uh, Tommy Elphick in, in their back pocket next week. That's that's unfortunately the way I'm going to feel about it. Not because not just because Tommy Elphick um, isn't a good player. Like, don't get me wrong, he's a very experienced centre half. But this is going to be his first game back against Derby with a seriously quick attack force, right? Who do like to skin uh, skin slow defenders, as we saw against the Barnsley. Um, then. Yeah, I'm I'm worried, mate. I don't think Tommy Elphick has what it takes. Uh, I, once again, this goes back to what I've been saying for weeks. Why is Richie Delate not had a chance at centre back? Why have we not brought him on to to kind of give him some time? Um, and now, unfortunately, you know, is Samba is Samba injured? Uh, we're, we're having to resort to go back to Elphick for his first game back, and it's just not. Uh, it's not filling me with confidence for next weekend. No, Tommy Alphick is someone quite a frustrated figure is a polite way of putting it, I guess. So when he's been forced out of the team, someone has been pushed away. Now we, we have to rely on him and it's not the, the best situation. You never want to be forced into changes, but you don't want to be forced into changes where you suddenly have to re- use players you've cast away, like a bomb squad almost. It's uh, relying on those players that you've kind of sidelined. And uh, we did want to see rotation. We do... Me and you, we, we do want to see some changes. We've got a lot of depth in this side. We've got a lot of talent, a lot of quality we can see. And I will be forced into those changes. And I think it'll be a very uncomfortable situation when we play Derby next week. More on that later, mate, because we need to be a bit positive. And I think we need to reflect on one player's performance right now because Sam Johnson, take a bow, mate. One of the best perform- goalkeeping performances I've seen in a, in a Villa shirt for a very, very long time. Do you know, all season I've been looking at Sam Johnston and I just think that guy is is, is genuinely going to be in the conversation. Not not for not for the World Cup, but he's genuinely going to be in a conversation in the next few years as, a, as an England goalkeeper. If this guy was playing in the Premier League, uh, I think that he, he'd, he'd probably be starting every week. Uh, obviously not for Manchester United, but I could see him starting every week for another, for another side. Um, you look at you know, you say you got the likes of Ben Foster at West Bromwich Albion. Well, I'd say Sam Johnston is just as good. Uh, there's, 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 there is a couple of things which Sam Johnston might do every now and then, which make you think, okay, it's a little bit of inexperience over there. But in, in all seriousness, a goalkeeper that tall, who's a good shot stopper from distance, and you know, does well from corners as well. 
he's got he's got all the ingredients necessary, hasn't he? Um, I don't know what he's missing really. I think the only thing is at the moment is there's always um at the moment there's there's sometimes shine, uh, signs of nervousness. Uh, he might act a little bit rashly sometimes. Uh, but but other than that, no, he, he was fantastic against Millwall, wasn't he? Uh, we 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 would have lost the game if it wasn't for him. I'm certain about that. We'd have lost it by a high scoreline as well because he saved some guilted chances. He saved one of, a few one-on-ones from what I can recall. And certainly he looked very confident with the ball at his feet when they would play it over the top. When Villa's offside track was caught out and they played it over the top, he'd be already there, sweep it, you know, like a sweeper almost. It's like an additional defender. And he looked extremely comfortable, you know, with one-touch football as well. When the ball's bouncing at him, he wouldn't be afraid to take it, control him, just volley it out. Looked very, very comfortable on the flanks. You know, it's it's crazy to see a goalkeeper doing this in a Villa shirt who is running out of the box, running up to the corner flag to collect balls. Incredible performance from him. And I'm really impressed how he's come on. I mean, in the England conversation, I think maybe you have, you know, the first two keepers would be Jack Butland and Jordan Pickford. But I have no reason to see why Sam Johnson can't challenge Fraser Forster or even Joe Hart for you know a third spot in that team because he is performing to a very high standard every single week and no, it's really impressed me. No, not for not for the World Cup though, mate. <laughs> I mean, oh no, no, it's too early. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, I, I think it will be in an, it'll be in a few years' time. Um, I can honestly see Mourinho keeping the guy as well. Uh, I like they, it, it could definitely happen. Um, like for some reason I don't know why, but big teams seem to like having tons of. Uh, reserve goalkeepers. I think Chelsea have like two goalkeepers over the age of 30 uh, behind like Courtois. I mean, as it happens, I think one of them actually started in a under 21 game against uh, Scunthorpe or something like that this weekend, which is, which is ludicrous. But uh, yeah, I could honestly see him staying at Manchester United. Mourinho is going to charge big bucks for him in the summer, but I'd like to see us, you know, have a go at signing him. But I think it only come to us now if we do stay, I mean, if we do get promoted and I think that's going to be the case with a lot of big players come next season. Uh, right now, as we are, it, 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 it's totally cool for uh, players to come down and, and think we've got um, a good project going on. But I think uh, we're going we're gonna to start seeing, we're going to start seeing uh, the, the realism next season if we don't go up. But then obviously we have uh, Galini, who I do hope is developing well. I'm sure you know a little bit more about that. You're uh, a little bit of an Italian expert, aren't you? He's, I wouldn't say developing well. I think he's in sidelined completely at Atalanta. Has he? Yeah, uh, he only came in last year when they dropped the bombing goal and they're letting about six or seven in one game. But he's barely played for him, mate. He's had two two uh, appearances so far and it hasn't been a, a great time for him on loan. He's uh, played two, conceded one and kept one clean sheet. But for a, time, a team who are performing in the Europa League, you'd expect him to have got a bit more performances or games under his belt and he hasn't and it has been an unfortunate time for him because I don't think leaving Villa was the best move we benefited greatly because we brought in Sam Johnson but he's played at such a high standard for him now that I think he's outgrew us completely and I say complete respect to our our stature but he is a Premier League goalkeeper and if not he should be playing at Manchester United except David David De Gea is there so (laughs) I don't know how to weigh that up yeah Yeah, as you said Mourinho will charge big money for him and I think he has every right to do Sam Johnson is a talent we can say that clearly at this point. If you're, uh, he performed badly in a few games when he was getting off, and he has dropped a few clangers, and he's far too reliant on punching the ball out sometimes. But when he, you need him to step up, he really does step up. He's a 24, 25 year old keeper, I believe, and he's screaming mm-hmm. at senior players, Chris Samba, Glenn Whelan, to do their job properly. Brilliant keeper, brilliant attitude, and I think he is 
if not, he's becoming the complete goalkeeper in a sense where he's very comfortable with his feet. Some of his goal kicks are, are crap, but I'll, uh, I'll take that if he can come and claim the ball in deep, you know, the final third. So I'm very happy with his performances. I think we're very positive going forward because he's someone who's going to save us from losing games if we carry on the way we're going sometimes. Yeah, he's the first goalkeeper we've had in a long time who will save games. I think what, what we've had in the past is we've had capable goalkeepers or incapable goalkeepers at sometimes, you know. Um, sorry, Mark Bunn. Uh, you know, there's, it's, 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 it's been a little bit of an issue that we've had for years. We've always been a bit of a joke when it comes to goalkeepers, you know, ever since Scott Carson, it seems. In fact, actually before that as well. Before that, we just never really had commanding goalkeepers, I'd say, apart from Brad Friedel. Uh, I can't even remember who was the first-choice goalkeeper before this whole stint of us bringing in Galini and, and Johnston. Do you, I mean, do you remember? Uh, we had Brad Guzan. Um, Brad Guzan had the shirt for a while. I think it switched between Shea Given and Brad Friedel for a while. But when Lambert came in, it went back to Guzan. And yeah, like... Guzan had a few good years, a few good years where you could say he was a top five, top 10 Premier League goalkeeper. But I think he became bored, clearly bored with his time at Aston Villa and wanted to move on. And we started to fall. And he was one of those players who didn't seem very interested in playing for Aston Villa anymore. That's a shame because I feel like we genuinely genuinely had a connection with Brad Guzan when he was performing very, very well in the Premier League. And now we're, we're getting to see that again in Sam Johnson. We're getting to see a keeper who is saving games. And he's, he's not pulling off stunning saves all the time, but he's pef- pulling off the saves you need him to make. Those desperate ones, those one-on-ones, those chances, you know, those clear-cut chances, those quality chances. And he's, he's doing an amazing job of it. Yeah, but that's the thing, though, isn't it? We don't actually concede. I mean, like, okay, we don't tend to let teams get a lot of chances against us each game. Whenever we have been undone, I think especially last season when Johnston was a little bit younger, and I think, you know, um, ever since we've been in the championship, really, the kind of chances that we were giving away to teams were, you know, it would be that we we tend to get more opportunities and they'd get really good opportunities, but only a couple a game, right? Like, we're not a side which is constantly under pressure. And I think that's the thing, really. When it comes to that, you do need the goalkeeper who's going to, pull out the amazing saves because those are the difference makers and unfortunately that's what you need when your attack just isn't quite up to standard um and i mean really we're we're that side that we're, we're high up the table uh not necessarily because of our attacking strength but honestly if i'm totally honest we're high up the table because our defending has been you know uh so good uh and we can sit here and criticize every time samba makes a mistake or uh every time uh, Hutton or Taylor get pulled out of position, but in reality, uh, we, we we've been defending well, and Johnston's been a key part of that, and I think he's been a major leader really as well. Um, as you say, he's screaming instructions all game, and he, he he does seem to have a touch of the Brad Friedel about him uh, in that sense. And I can definitely see Sam Johnston being a captain for a side in the in the, the years to come. Would you say he was man of the match then? Would you say Sam Johnston against Millwall was our man of the match? That was a complete performance, I thought. So my friend knew the chance to give him the award for the game, if we may. Yeah, our man of the match for sure, I'd say Sam Johnston. Um, I believe he made something like eight saves, um, which in reality, considering... I think we we only had like a shot on target or game or something like that. I, I actually we probably had more. I'm 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 probably um I'm probably not thinking right on this. Uh, but considering he made eight saves, um I think he did fantastically. Uh, and I think he was good in the air as well. Especially considering Hutchinson and Cooper uh, are are Millwall's defenders. Uh, they they should really be troubling um troubling us a little bit more. Uh, but Johnston was unfazed. I think his height always helps him uh, in these sorts of games. And I think. 
uh, if you look at our side and our side alone, I'd definitely give that to Sam Johnston. He was um, he was on another level. Uh, and definitely had more to do than the Millwall goalkeeper. You're right, we did only have one shot on target to Millwall's eight, eight of which Sam Johnston would get his hands to and uh, contain. Millwall will feel disappointed, I think, that they they didn't win. And I think we'll, we'll, we'll take that to the end of that conversation now, mate. I think we're both very disappointed with how Villa performed. And I hope we really kick on because the next match, against Gary Rowett's Derby. Derby said high-flying, a team that have leapfrogged us now to fourth in the playoff picture. A team that we really need to get a result about a result on this Saturday. What? How do you feel? Right, Derby County. Okay, so this is a side which I can absolutely see causing a outrage next week if we lose. I, I can actually see it. Right now, we are undefeated in five, but... We're slowly getting worse every game. <laughs> we won three on the bounce. Um, we, we, we've now had two straight draws. And you would have thought, right, there's positives coming out of it. The one against Leeds, okay, that was cool, right? We saw Greedish and we saw Lansbury come into the game a little bit and, uh, you know, rescue us. But what's coming with that is the first teamers are the ones who, st- who have started in that, uh, that three-game winning run are slowly dropping off a little bit. Glenn Whelan wasn't quite on his game in the last in the last match. Samba was fantastic at the back, right? I'm not having it any other way when it comes to what we've had against Millwall. Samba is now injured. We have got more negatives and positives to look forward to in the next game, unfortunately, against Derby County. And that's because we've got a replacement centre-back coming in. And not only do we have a replacement centre-back coming in, but Derby are on form. They are on fire when it comes to attacking. Vidra scored in the last game. So did Andy Wyman coming up against his former club. And I have to say that our defence is in for an absolute barrage on the weekend. And unfortunately, if we lose to Derby County, then we need to start worrying because uh, I tell you what, it's tight up there. It's tight in the top six and we need to be uh, we need to start beating the bigger sides here because there's no use us uh, getting draws against sides low down the table if we're not going to do anything against uh, against the likes of Derby County. It's a big worry, isn't it? Because we we can't drop points. I mean, a lot of people would say, they'd look at the table, they'd look at the games we have left to play and they'll say, oh, we can afford to lose this game. Unfortunately, losing the game is a position, you know, a privilege we only have if we win against Leeds and we win against Millwall. I think we all, myself included, took a win against Millwall for granted. And now we're, we're paying the price in the sense that we do have to kind of I'll take a draw against Derby. You want to, you know, keep that point ticking. But a win would be probably one of the biggest results of our season. And a loss would, it would really start to damn us in the sense that, yes, we've been doing well to this point. But a loss is, it isn't catastrophic. It isn't season ending. But it is something that makes it a lot harder for you to kick on because I believe we need to really kick on. If we, if we want automatic promotion, it doesn't matter kind of what's going on right now. It matters what we can do. It, uh, you know, these teams might start to slip off. Wolves might slip off. You know, Cardiff might slip off. Uh, Bristol City might slip off. Um, we've got to just simply hope that we get the the points that we can get. We don't have to worry about anyone else. We've got to just worry match to match on the points we can get. And I feel Villa on their day should be able to beat Derby, but we haven't seen Villa on their day for a while. Do you think so though, right? I mean, okay, on, 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 on our day, right, we should be beating Derby. We absolutely should be, right? But we, they've got a full side. We don't. Uh, look at Look at oh, look yeah. at their team, right? So f- first of all, our defense isn't uh, isn't our first choice defense, right? We've got Elphick and Chester. Compare that to Richard Keogh and Curtis Davis, and I'm sorry, but I look at that and I go Keogh and Davis any day of the week, 
any day of the week against Chester and Elphick, right? Look at their attack as well. We've got Keenan Davis up top. Onuma's supporting him, right? But but they've got Vidra and they've got Wyman. Now, now Wyman, obviously, in the past, I've been critical of him, but he's been good for Derby, in all fairness to him. Uh, but on top of that, they've also got Tom Lawrence. They've also got the likes of Joel Ledley as well in their midfield. This is a side which does not look out of place in the Premier League. Derby, in all reality, if they play to their best, they are not far off us as a team. And when you look at Derby County, the momentum, and you look at Aston Villa without the momentum, I'm sorry, but any bookie is going to have Derby favourites. What do you feel about their manager and Gary Rowe, uh, someone who Birmingham City kind of unfairly dismissed? I mean, there was a situation where he was clearly looking for another job and they kind of had every right to kick him to the curb. But when they lost him, they started dropping through the table and the team he joined after, Derby, are rising, rising, you know, throughout the championship and uh, they're pushing us aside now. <laughs> Well, talk about getting dumped by your ex and finding a better looking woman. <laughs> that's that's what that's what, <laughs> that's what Gary Rowett's done, isn't it? Gary, he's 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 literally gone from being at Birmingham City, being underappreciated by the bosses. In all fairness, very much appreciated by the fans, uh, and being one of Birmingham City's best. Got in fact, I'll say Birmingham City's best manager in in recent years, certainly since 2010. I'd imagine. Um, you know, he's he's gone from that Birmingham City side, which wasn't quite the finished product let's just say that they had a lot of young players in their team uh they didn't have a lot of cash um and he's gone from them into derby county where he in fact i mean one of the one of the challenges he might have he's, he's gone into a side with a lot of personalities in it but he's he's taken it on his stride and i'll tell you what he's he knows what he's doing with them uh so i i think uh i think gary rower has got a really good opportunity here at derby he's got a tremendous opportunity at derby county and you know that gary rower is going to be the kind of manager where if he takes derby up You'll suddenly see him being linked to, ooh, who's going to take, uh, who's going to take Arsene Wenger's job after after he leaves Arsenal? You know, he's going to be he's going to be in in those kinds of conversations if he takes Derby County up, um, because he's doing a tremendous job over there, and I think genuinely, as far as British managers go, uh, he's definitely one to be looking out for. Yeah, I mean, you had the old Paul Merson and Phil Thompson, you know, Sky Sports moaning about why he isn't considered for maybe the Everton job or so and so. But I think he has got a lot to prove. Uh, he's a great, you know, we've seen his credentials in the championship, but this Derby job is something else. And if he does manage to take them off, I think those 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 visions, you know, we say from Paul Merson and Phil Thompson will become realised and he'll have a lot more about him if he takes Derby up. But to do that, he'll have to uh, cane Villa on Saturday and really put us in, he could really put us in a, a bad situation, I feel. What What is their danger men then going into this? Who are their danger men, sorry? You said Matej Vajra and Andy Wyman. Are we looking out for those on Saturday? I think Wyman, uh, I know how much of a liability he is. Villa fans know how much of a liability he is. My, my, still my favourite game from Andy Wyman was not an attacking performance. It was the one where he absolutely marked Steven Gerrard out of the game. Don't ask me how that happened or how that's even possible, considered he's a striker, but it did happen. Um, but the, 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 there, was, there was that game from him. And I think just the fact that he's coming up against Aston Villa, uh, against the side which obviously pushing to the pushing to the curb just a little bit and uh, and and really uh, aside that I don't think he has an awful lot of love for considering you know the 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 nonchalant performances from him in his last couple of seasons I I do think he's going to be an important man uh, man for uh, Derby County and just you know just just keep an eye on him because he's he got an assist as well as the scoring um against Barnsley so that that is something to look out for the other thing is with them is that 
not only have they got Matteo Vidra, they've got Martin up front as well. You know, obviously a, a top-class striker on his day in the championship. And then Tom Lawrence on the wing. That midfield and that attack for me is almost Premier League standard. You look at Huddleston and Ledley holding behind Wyman, Vidra and Tom Lawrence. And uh, it's it's got to be one of the midfields with the most potential in the, in, in the championship for sure. Uh, and if you want to talk about danger men, <laughs> you know it's 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 all of them it's all of them guys really um and they do have options so uh you know they've, they've also got russell on the bench don't don't forget about him uh they can bring him on at any any time you know a, a fast scottish winger uh tricky as well at times knows how to beat a defender uh so that so, so they've got him to who they can rely on and then on top of that they've got Fullbacks who do know how to get forward in Chris Baird and uh, and Forsyth, so there's a lot of danger in that Derby side. Like don't don't have any illusions about this. Aston Villa need to turn up and they need to turn up good. And we're not defending this game out. Steve Bruce needs to go to Derby County and say, look, we need to outplay them and we need to create more opportunities than them. And if we don't let them, um, I mean, if we don't ca- get a stronghold within uh, Derby's. Um, Derby's own area, then, then you know, I don't want to use any bad terms, but um, we're 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 going to be. Uh, I don't want to say the f word, James. Uh, <laughs> we're not we're not we're not going to we're not going to win. <laughs> you, you can go ahead. We say it a lot. You can go right ahead, mate. But yeah, I feel that it will be. If we had difficulty against Millwall, we really need to turn the pressure up in the start with about hundred percent. In complete honesty, Steve Bruce knows that as well. We're not saying anything. Our own manager. As I said, Villa were, they were crap. They were sluggish. They were lethargic and tired against a Millwall team that had every single right to beat them, beat them away, beat them to the side. And uh, yeah, if we go against Derby with the same attitude, we're going to get played off the pitch and we're going to get, it it could be a massive defeat, uh, not in terms of the the scoreline perhaps, but demoralising, it will really steal our thunder. It will really make me unhappy if uh, we lose to Derby because it is a a result that knocks you, you, you kind of start to think twice about those uh, playoff places. I mean, all rights, Villa should be finishing top six, but if you're not beating the top six and and you're not even beating the teams underneath, you've got problems. Yeah, and I think the next game we we seriously need to consider bigger... Sorry, we seriously need to consider going 4-3-3. We seriously need to consider just, you know, grabbing a hold of that midfield because I'm sorry, but uh, we're we're not going to outplay that midfield. There, There is no way that we're going to outplay that midfield. Joe Ledley in Huddleston, as good as Horahan and Whelan are, they're just not going to they're not going to beat them. Um, and I, I would I would suggest that either Onoma steps up, or we play Jack Grealish uh, behind obviously the the striker. Uh, but I think you know even further back in the midfield, you know, ask him to pick it up a little bit earlier because I'm not sure who else we can we we have who can actually play in a midfield three. Uh, but I'd even I'd even consider saying let's go Bjarnas and Horahan and 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 um and Whelan, Sorry. Uh, but that's just me. That's just me being, you know, uh, being a bit over over creative there. Uh, I, I just think that I think if we want to win this game, we need to mark their attacking players out. We need to mark out Vidra, uh, you know, who's obviously playing behind Chris Martin. That's that's the suggestion I'd go with. Well, I wouldn't blame you for at least making the use of Villa's depth because Berke Bjarnason is someone who should be playing. He's a player with a bit of flair, a bit of skill. And we haven't seen the best of him. We haven't seen him look comfortable at Villa. And it's not saying that a match against Derby away at Pride Park will make him any comfortable, but you know, give him a give him a shock, give him a chance, start Jack Grealish, start to manipulate these formations and start to get the best out of your team. 
because if you're not going to get the best out of this Villa side, other players, other teams are going to make take advantage of that time. You know that that, that downtime, that boot up time. It's almost like an old computer where you kind of press start, go and make a cup of tea while it loads up. That's Aston Villa because you know by the time we beat up all the other teams, they're kind of they're getting their feet under them and they're starting to push on. And I I appreciate that we have done very well and thus far in our last span of games we are unbeaten but that changes on Saturday if we don't book our ideas up we need to be realistic about the situation because in this league if you start slipping off you don't get promoted and I appreciate the points we have and I appreciate all the wins we have under our belt but we have to look to the future and this looks like a Villa side on a slight decline I won't say it's the end of days but we are we do look to be running out of steam in a bad way yeah absolutely and it's it's about time where Steve Bruce needs to go and say, right, okay, maybe in the next game we don't play a Domer or maybe we don't play Snodgrass, you know, to fit in somebody like Jack Grealish. And uh, I know a lot of people will be will be questioning that and going, you know, what, why would you want to do that? But it, it's getting to the point where we're just not getting the best out of our creative players right now. If we're going to get a better Adoma for the rest of the season or a better Snodgrass for the rest of the season by resting them for one week, then I've got no issue with us you know, starting Jack Grealish. As long as the guy's on the bench, then if it's not working, we can bring him on, right? That's the, that's what we can do. And I think playing the same way as we are every single week is starting to get old, right? Uh, it, it it means that the teams are figuring us out. They're marking Keenan Davis out of the game, right? Let's do what the rapper Giggs once said and throw a spanner in the works now and just bring in another midfielder. Let's change the tactics up a little bit. Prove we've got a plan B because you don't win a title, you don't win the league, or you don't even get automatic promotion by playing the same way week in, week out, unless you're going to control the games and dominate them and essentially make teams play to your own style. We're not doing that. We haven't done that all season, or if, if I'm totally honest with you. So we need to have a plan B. And against Derby County, we need to be able to uh, to counteract what they're doing because it's not a case of just throwing the boys out on the weekend and and saying do your thing. Um, unfortunately, not against this kind of side. Uh, Derby County are a very good shout for promotion, and we need to take them seriously. Um, and I don't think we we took Millwall seriously, and I don't think we took Leeds seriously enough either. Um, so that's what I'd have to say about that. And I think I think it's about time we stopped relying on the same guys to do it every single week. We need to force some competition in the side. We're getting injuries. Injuries happen because uh, players are overworked or, you know what, sometimes it's a it's a bad luck thing. We need to be able to deal with it. And Curtis Davis and, and, and Keo need something to, to trouble them on the weekend because that is one of the best defences in the league, uh, if I'm quite honest with you. And we... The only way we're going to trouble them is if we do something different because it's not working right now. We we can't you can't go out and get one shot on target against Millwall, and um you know and say that it's working. It's just not happening, is it? A lot of, a lot of people on Twitter and on social media would say, "Oh, how come you're only moaning now after?" The win? But you can't moan after good wins. You know we've had a good performance that that Leeds result. It had all the makings of that Millwall match, but we managed to bounce back and steal the point. Whether that's Leeds dropping off or us improving, I'm not too sure, but. We carried on. We carried on in that exact same style and we have been doing that for a few matches now. We've kind of been just slowly tipping downwards 
and I'd like to see some rejuvenation going forward because I can sense your certain your certain frustration. I could hear it in the fans, and you can see it on social media because again, it's just the fan base going at each other. But Dan, what I want now, mate, is your prediction. Last week you predicted a win, and we all did really. But we were we, you know, <laughs> we were had the rug pulled under from underneath us. So I want to hear your prediction for this match against Derby on Saturday. Do you think it's going to be a win lose draw? This is just a tough one. The way I've been talking, I should say that we're going to get defeated, but I'm not going to do that. I, I am positive about Villa. It's not that I'm not positive. I think I was just frustrated because we, we could have done so much more against Millward and we just we, we should have turned up at home. Um, I hate having these throwbacks to last season. I hate having these throwbacks to the Paul Lambert time, but we're not creating chances. Um, I think Steve Bruce will get it together. I think he will get things together. There's going to be a player in that team who's going to be raring to go. And I'm, I'm sure of it. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't know if Bruce is going to be brave enough to drop Onoma in the next game, but I think he needs to start considering it. I don't know if he'll be brave enough to to drop Davis as well, but I think we need to consider playing Scott Hogan up front. And I think if we do buck up our ideas a little bit, maybe even go 4-4-2. May, I mean, I, I know I've been talking about having the three in midfield, but I know one thing that we can do is is go 4-4-2, give Keenan Davis somebody to hold the ball up and and, and, and play it to. Um, against Scott Hogan, uh, you know, I, th- I mean, with Scott Hogan, I think that could be good for us as well. Um, I'm going to go with a slender one nil victory because I want to keep positive and I want something to look forward to. And I, I do think it's possible. Uh, but and I think maybe a game against a big side again will will obviously buck the boys up a little bit, give them a little bit of motivation to go out there. And hopefully we see a good game from Tommy Elphick, um, who's, who looks like he's set to start next weekend. Uh, you know, should uh, Steve Bruce decide not to play Alan Hutton at centre-back and uh, play Alec Mardi at right-back, which is you know, always possible as well. Uh, so that's what I'd have to say about that, James. Um, I'm going to go with a slender 1-0 victory. I'll take the 1-1 draw, I think. It's a match that it will just be beyond Villa, unfortunately. And I do want to win, and I'll be there cheering along with everyone if we win. But I think the writing's almost on the wall in a sense that we, I don't think you book your ideas up in a week, do you? And I think Villa really needs, it's either going to be a turning point or it's going to be just a continuation of what's going on. But I think a 1-1 would still be a, a very positive result, um, but then the frustrations will set in. But yeah, I'll take the 1-1, mate. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's not about bucking them up in a week, is it? It's it's more like we've been playing well. We we were doing well in those in, in the games before Leeds and... And, and Derby, and even after Leeds, right? I mean, looking back in hindsight, where we said obviously it was a draw, obviously, but but looking back in in hindsight, the, the game against Leeds was still a decent game. We still turned up to some degree. This was a blip. This was a drop off. We didn't do well against Derby. Okay, that's f- uh, sorry. We didn't do well against Millwall. Okay, that's fine. But next game, go out there and put a little bit more effort into it. Put a little bit more juice into it. Right, we're going to be away. There's not going to be any pressure on us. Derby might be a little bit too open, and there is that chance that we're able to, to that we're able to nick it. You know, if Johnston's on form, who's to say that that uh, that Derby are able to create as many chances as as they have done? Look, I I know I know I've mentioned that they've got good attacking players, but they're good at the, the kind of players that they have up front. They're good at running at defenders. I don't know about creating chances. When was the last time you saw Andy Wyman, you know, slip a through ball? To uh to to another player and and and, and create something from it, uh, th- th- there is going to be that chance that that Derby get frustrated with us if we defend as well as we have done. But like I said, it all depends on how we on how we turn up or how we line up. I, I don't know whether Bruce is going to do something different, and I, I do think that's going to be really really key to it. I mean, dare I say it? I think Bruce 
yeah, he, he's probably got that itch <laughs> somewhere to go back to that five at the back, uh, that five at the back formation, just so he can tell us he told him. So <laughs> I don't blame him if he does, mate, because we could uh, expect the Habitus to come out and uh, we'll be under fire completely on Saturday. I think this Derby team has a lot to prove, and uh, they could really take a scalp on Saturday. But yeah, man, thank you very much for uh, joining in with that, Daniel, and uh, previewing and reviewing all those games. But uh, this comes to the end of the Aston Villa segment of the podcast, mate, because uh, we, we did enjoy going on to a little bit of football ball talk, didn't we? Uh, we featured the Milan match last time. But yeah, I think you wanted uh, a few things to say about the football going on uh, recently in the rest of the world. Oh, mate, it was the MLS Cup last night, wasn't it? Yeah, at, was it uh, Toronto versus Seattle Sounders? It was. So Toronto, of, of Toronto, Canada, of course, versus Seattle Sounders on the West Coast of America. How did that go down? Bear with me. I didn't actually watch the game because I was asleep, like most people. Uh, but everyone was. Yeah. Everyone was asleep. <laughs> every, almost every single person listening to this podcast did not watch this match or was asleep. No, exactly. So what actually happened was, um, I, I believe... It was a two, it was a victory for uh, for Toronto at the end of it, wasn't it? So uh, that was actually something which uh, probably wasn't expected, considering Seattle Sounders have been like one of the most dominant sides in the USA for the for the last few years. And for a Canadian team to go ahead and win the MLS Cup, it's not unheard of, but it's always funny to see, isn't it? It'd be like Swansea winning um, winning the Premier League, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Toronto FC took that two 0 lead. That's Ot Altador uh, scoring. No, early on, and Victor Vasquez uh, sealing the deal with a minute left to go. But yeah, man, Seattle won it last year. It's a shame they didn't do a repeat because I think that's always good to see. You know, with the American structure, it's hard for a team to dominate because they have a lot against them. They have to go through the whole playoff structure. You know, it's not guaranteed that they'll get to the final. It's then no, there's no guaranteed winner. It's not the best team in the league wins the MLS Cup, do they? They don't win that final. They have to get through that playoff structure and play the best of each conference. So. It, yeah, getting to the final is a massive achievement for him. I think that's something to be really proud of. And it's a shame they didn't cement that legacy by taking that cup home. But full full credit to, of course, Toronto FC. Jermaine Defoe's old side, they uh, boast some talent, man. Sebastian Giovincio, real talent. And, of course, uh, Oti Altador has always been on that American scene and uh, playing for the US men's national team for a while. So, yeah, good to see Toronto, you know, take the take the plaudits and uh, bring that cup to Canada. Yeah, I mean, that was, that, it's, it's always crazy to me that Giovinco's playing over there. It's literally, I, I think the guy who's obviously playing in Syria and just realised that, um, hang on, he's maybe a star player somewhere else. And he's just upped and left, doesn't he? Which is which is interesting. You don't see a lot of players in their prime going ahead and doing that. I mean, fair enough, I think Jovinko had dropped off a couple of years, hadn't he, before like moving on? But even still. Yeah, let's, not, let's be honest. He wasn't the best player for the Italian team and he wasn't the best player in Serie A. And he wasn't going to, you know, start every game for Juventus or any other team that he played for. But he's found his own and he's he's killing it. It's like David Villa and uh, other players, Jack Harrison in New York City FC. There's players that go over there and they find their level. And re- it's not to say that it's a lower level at all, but they find, you know, they find their comfort. You know, another player that comes to mind, Bradley Wright Phillips, killing it for Red Bulls. He's someone who didn't really get much of a chance or, or wasn't featuring a lot in you know, the English leagues, but he's went over to America, New York Red Bulls, and he's killed it at quite a high level. So fair play to people who go over there, take the chance, because it is a big chance, mate. It's a very hard chance to take. For us, we've got a connection, because Juan Pablo Angal went over and killed it over there. For, uh, yeah, don't don't forget Liam Ridgewell. Yeah, of course, Liam Ridgewell, massive star <laughs> over there for some reason. Um, but that's worked out for him. So yeah, you know, full plug, it's these people who go over there and it works out. And yeah, it has for Giovinci. 
you know, coming to think of it, we've had a lot of players go over to the MLS. You said Angel, we mentioned Bridgewell. Uh, there was also Nigel Riococa, who reignited his career over there. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, shout out also to another former Villa player who was in uh, who was in that final, in Michael Bradley, who I think in an alternative universe is still playing for us somewhere and uh, has been our our uh, midfield general for for years. Um, it seems to happen where a lot of our midfielders just seem to leave and then go off and build a legacy elsewhere. Uh, I mean, I think after Bradley, we had like Harry Malakmadi, who's gone ahead and done the same thing, hasn't he? He's gone, he went over to, to Holland and won the league over there. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's a good place to rejuvenate your career, isn't it, the MLS? And I think it's a good place as well to just enjoy your football because there's so many passionate fans over there. Um, and, and I have to say a big shout out to all our American listeners who I'm sure have enjoyed uh, watching a lot of football this weekend. You know, if they didn't enjoy watching yeah. Villa Millwall. No, genuinely love to hear off you, man. Uh, that goes for, you know, feedback, iTunes reviews and all that. But yeah, if you follow an MLS team, get reach out to us because I think it's something that we're, we've we've got a growing interest in, me and, me and Daniel love. But yeah, anyone across the world, any teams that you can bring to us because my Milan have yet to play against Bologna today that that comes off that that kicks off in the uh, late evening 745 i believe so yeah i've still got that to watch and of course the nfl which is uh kicked off my cleveland brands but yeah i think rest of the world football we've kind of enjoyed it yeah it's been a good week for for football especially the two derbies today man. yeah absolutely man and i feel sorry for you as well as um well actually today today's derbies were good but the derby d'italia yesterday was was nil nil um which i which i feel sorry for you as a as a uh as a Italian fan who's had to endure watching Villa Millwall and then watching that. But yeah, the derbies today were good. Derbies yeah. today were good. Um, Everton versus Liverpool, obviously. It was a one-all draw. Wayne Rooney uh, scoring against Liverpool uh, scoring against Liverpool with a penalty. And I think Man City versus Man United has just finished and it was 2-1 Man City as well. So yeah. Yeah, um, that finished just just now, mate. And that is a 2-1 to Manchester City, Pep Guardiola's. Manchester City side obviously play FIFA football. We've come to mention that a few times. Uh, David Silva and Nicholas Otamendi scoring the goals. Marcus Rashford scoring one for Manchester United on the brink of half time. But uh, it looks like they've went down to Manchester City, who do have the league in their hands <laughs> come to come the end of the year. So yeah, it looks like the Premier League situation might be over and done with. Already. Yeah, it does look like it. I mean, Chelsea as well. They did the same thing, didn't they? Just handed over a victory to um, West Ham yesterday. Uh, which was hilarious, uh, but now it means that uh, you know the Premier League is going to be—I wouldn't say boring for the rest of the season—but it's now a foregone conclusion, really, that Man City are going to win it. Um, and they, they, you know, what, fair play to them—they just shut off Manchester United and they showed why they're favourites. I just hope that somewhere along the line they go on a five-match losing run or something and uh, give somebody else a chance. Really, but, um, I'm sure that's not—I'm <laughs> sure that's not going to happen. You know, I am jealous. I am just a little bit jealous that you know the. The, you know, you've got the Liverpool Merseyside derby, you've got the North London derby, you've got the Manchester derby, which are just big blockbuster occasions. And I am just a little bit jealous that Villa versus Birmingham doesn't have the same kind of implications or isn't anywhere near the top of the Premier League like these ones are. I just hope one day, and this is this is me getting a bit emotional now, but I just hope one day we get to see that you know as a top four clash. It uh, might be a number of years until we see it, though, AJ. Yeah, I mean, it coming, it, you know, it's a recent derby, let's be honest, because uh, before I've done my research and it was uh, Villa West Brom. That was a big, big whole West Midlands derby. And uh, since Blues got promoted back to the Premier League back in the mid 2000s or the early 2000s, 
it was the second City derby that's come to life and it has taken a bit of a drop, I think, with both teams not really being at the highest level, especially even when they were both in the Premier League, they weren't at the highest level there. Villa were finishing sixth or fifth and Birmingham were kind of yo-yoing. But yeah, it's a derby that's uh, fallen and uh, I think it's a big shame, but I'm, I'm just glad to take in the football, to be honest, mate. Uh, you know, I've seen the quality in the Premier League, seen Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, these players kill it and especially some of the managers there, David Wagner, Jürgen Klopp. Pep Guardiola, Jose Mourinho. You get to see some real quality in the Premier League. And I'm enjoying watching it as a neutral, mate. Oh, yeah. It's a right party up there, isn't it? And it does give you... It is nice to be able to take it take it all in whilst Villa aren't, you know, getting beaten every single week. <laughs> like, that's that's one thing. Uh, I'm sure a, Villa, a lot of Villa fans will have experienced the whole nauseating feeling after a game and putting up with match of the day afterwards and just deciding not to watch match of the day at the end of it because what's the point? or at least watching it until halfway because we'll be on last. Um, and uh, I think it's nice to be able to just take it in for what it is and just enjoy what's going on. Seeing the relegation circle happening with, without us being involved, uh, and it, it is good to watch, really. Um, just remember to to switch off whenever West Brom are playing because since we left the Premier League, they're still a boring side. Uh, but apart from that, the rest of the 19 teams, good fun to watch. Yeah, I hope it's been good fun to listen to you guys. I think we've come to the end today, mate. I've, again, really enjoyed presenting this with you. Fantastic to have you on board as my co-host. And it's, it, I think it's going really well. It's a shame that the football has kind of slightly dropped off since we started because I think we had that brilliant run of unbeaten games following you know, the international break. We lost to Sheffield Wednesday, but we've, we've been going again, but it looks like we're uh, expecting some inclement weather, as I might say, and it's especially a common phrase around these parts. <laughs> but yeah, man, any final thoughts? Yeah, look, just you're you're right, James. We need some good results, so hopefully, hopefully we turn up against Derby next week. I think it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on the injury situation. Maybe Lansbury's magically better for the weekend, but I think Bruce needs to be, you know, training the boys for 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 something big next week, and they need to start looking at that as a cup final. They need to look at Derby County as the toughest game in a while. As much, I mean, as good as Leeds United were. Um, as good as Leeds United were, uh, we're going up against the side which is way more in form, and I think they've got a real chance now to to you know just put a stop, put a stop to the poor performance of the, of the last couple of games, and you know just turn up. And I think you know what Villa, take one for the boys here, right? Me and James want some positivity. Um, as as fun as it is to rant and complain, we want to be able to talk about you know the next uh, the next big thing in AVFC, and if it's not a Doma. We need it to be somebody else. And Keenan Davis at the moment, um, you know, um, it would be nice to see him score a few more goals. I think next weekend, what you want to look out for is the return of Scott Hogan. I think we're going to see him back and I'm going to predict him to score. And when I say Villa are going to win 1-0, I think Scott Hogan's going to be the one to score the goal. That is my one to look out for. I'm down with that, mate. And yeah, as, as usual, like, subscribe, rate. Just get back to us. Any feedback you can give. We enjoy talking to people who listen to the show. We've uh, we've proven it thus far. You can get him at DHRazo, myself, at Jammer Russian on Twitter, and of course, at 7500 to halt if you fancy speaking to the site at large. But yeah, same time, same place next week. We'll be back on Sunday after the Derby game to review that game and preview the ones going forward. So yeah, catch us same time next week. For me, James Russian, it's goodbye. <laughs>